Hello, and welcome to the James Market Clarity Podcast. I'm your host, Neil Kraft. And today on episode 22, I'm joined by Dr. Fall, Anina, and Ashley Walton. Dr. Anina, Ashley, thank you so much for your time today. Excited to be here, Neil. Thank you. So, uh, guys, market volatility and uh, geopolitical turmoil has certainly engulfed our news cycle in the first quarter of 2022. Today, we're going to try to discuss how we got here with Dr. Anina and what to do with this from Ashley Walton. Dr. Anina, let's start with you. A few headlines that we've come across lately mention the term stagflation. Can you talk about that a little bit? Thank you, Neil. Well, stagflation is a combination of two words, stagnation and inflation. Stagnation means low economic growth, and inflation is a rising in uh, prices. And this is similar to what happened in the 1970s with the OPEC embargo. But the question is, what is high and what is low? Okay. In the end of 1974, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, was 12.3%. The unemployment rate was 7.2%, and the GDP was negative, minus 0.9% year-over-year growth. Today, the numbers are different. The CPI, which is inflation, is 7.9%, and employment rate is at 3.8%, and the GDP last year, growth year-over-year was 5.6%. So you can see there is a there is also a number that economists compute called the misery index. If you add the inflation number and the unemployment number, you will get an index called the misery index. <laughs> the misery index in 1974 was 19.5. The misery index today is 11.7 percent. Oh wow! As you, can, as you can see, there is a, a difference between the stagflation then and what people are talking about today. Inflation then was due to uh, spending from the Vietnam War and the Lyndon Johnson War on poverty and the Nixon removal of the U.S. from the gold standard, the OPEC oil embargo in 1973. All these were factor in the inflation then. Today is different. We have labor shortages. We are coming out of uh, pandemic. We have a huge pent-up demand, especially in the service area, and we have some supply chain bottlenecks that keeping it from happening. As far as the stagnation part, the GDP last year grew at 5.6%, which is a very high number by historical standard. Remember, in the last 10 years, the median economic growth was 2.2%. Then if we have a lower GDP this year, that should be expected. The response then also to the stagflation is different than today. Then they have a 90-day freeze on wage and prices. They put 10% on import uh, tariffs, and they remove the, the U.S. from the gold standard. Then the Federal Reserve Chairman, Arthur Burns, basically increased the money supply to date Chairman Powell is right to tightening it. All these are factors that make this different than what you see 
40, uh, 40 years ago. Wow. Okay. That's very helpful. Thank you so much. Um, it's obviously terrible to see such turmoil taking place in Ukraine right now and, and lives that are being lost. What's led to this point? You know, what, what effects um, is the conflicts, uh, the, the conflict having on the market currently? Well, the human toll of this war is terrible, incredible. Uh, the conflict traces its root basically to the decision of Ukraine to have more relation with the West European Union and NATO and trying to get away from Russia, a nation with which it has close relationships since the Middle Ages. Basically, this tension started in 2004 with the Ukraine Orange Revolution when the Ukrainians want to move to be more realigned with Western Europe. And in 2013, the uh, Ukrainian leader, Viktor Yanukovych, who was close to Moscow, reneged on some pact to the European Union, and a lot of people went to the street, and uh, he was overthrown in February 1914, uh, 2014. And that started the new... Uh, uh, relation between Ukraine and and uh, and Russia. Russia is a significant oil and gas producer. They have 10% of world production. They have 20, 30% of European gas consumption. They also, Russia and Ukraine are responsible for 30% of global wheat export. And uh, Ukraine has 15% of world corn export. And both are significant producer of grain and fertilizer. Rising oil and gas price are driving an already global high inflation. Rising food costs will also drive inflation, even though the food costs are a small part of the CPI, the consumer price index here. The impacts are clear. It's going to be a rising inflation and more uncertainty about the Federal Reserve reaction to these uh, inflation numbers. Okay. This also may depress the consumer confidence in U.S. and Europe and may slow down the, the economic reopening. Thank you, Dr. Anita. Appreciate that, that background and, and, and your insights. So, so for the listeners, now that we have at least have some sense of how we got here and, and where we are in the market today, we want to discuss what to do and what, what can you do. What are the next steps for our listeners so obviously with us today is our senior financial planner, Ashley Walton. Thanks, Neil. So yeah, whether it's triggered by stagflation or what's happening in Ukraine, COVID-19, or whatever the next thing is that shakes the markets, most people agree that a pullback or a market correction is generally not very fun. But can we make it fun? Can James Investment help? <laughs> <laughs> nah, not really, no. But what we can do is help you to make some changes during a pullback that should benefit you financially in the long run. Ashley, what are some of those changes uh, that, that folks can do during a pullback? There are several things that can be done in a pullback that are advantageous for investors. I think the most common suggestion is using the low valuation of stocks during that time to make some purchases while the prices are discounted. And there's a reason that that's commonly suggested, and it's because it really can be a good buying opportunity if you can stomach the current market volatility and focus on the long term. Keep in mind, though, that it's, it generally doesn't make for good returns if you just sit with cash for long periods of time 
waiting for that perfect time to buy in because you're likely going to miss a huge amount of returns that way. Now, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. What if our listeners don't have those liquid assets or maybe uh, just there isn't a ton of cash sitting on hand? Yeah, there are a number of ways that people can buy into the market while things are on sale, if you will. Probably the most obvious is if you have more cash in your savings than you need for your emergency savings and any planned upcoming expenses, since you don't want to use that cash. Sure. But if you don't have any extra cash, that doesn't mean stop listening. I uh, have had many clients in my life that didn't realize their 401k was a stock market investment. Now, you have to choose the investments in the 401k. So if you pick bonds, for instance, then it wouldn't be. But yes, your 401k should and probably is at least partially invested in stock market investments. The market might be low for a few months. No one has a crystal ball to know for sure. So it might be a good time for you to increase how much you're contributing to the 401k each pay. This is especially beneficial if the market continues going down for a while because you might get an even better price with the next contribution or even the one after that. So do you have any more specific examples or ideas that our listeners could consider? You can get creative and strategic. So maybe right now you contribute $200 a month to your health savings account, which we commonly know that as an HSA, and maybe $500 a month to your 401k. HSAs are usually just kept in cash, so maybe you pause your HSA contribution and you add that dollar amount to your 401k contribution instead for a while. You, of course, have to consider factors like what the maximum you can put into each plan is and how much medical expenses you plan to pay from the HSA. But just to give you ideas, sometimes there are ways to switch things up a little to get some money into the market during that pullback. Right. Or a similar example of this is timing your traditional or Roth IRA contribution. If you make a contribution to one of those accounts each year, maybe during a pullback is a good time to do so. Or half if you think the market might continue to go down and do the other half later. And of course, a note for that is you want to make sure your income will allow an IRA contribution since there are income limits. So if you aren't sure, you probably want to wait until your accountant says you can make the contribution at the time your tax return is filed. Okay, thanks, Ashley. But do you have any other uh, examples maybe beyond or outside of the contributions which we just talked about? I think people often only think about buying stock at a low when they think about what they can do during a down market. But yeah, there are other ways to take advantage of the market as well. There used to be a rule where if you converted money from a traditional IRA into a Roth IRA, and then it turned out later that it wasn't advantageous, you could recharacterize the transaction to essentially reverse it. So an example of this is if you completed a $50,000 conversion from your IRA to your Roth, you would pay tax on $50,000, and then what if the market goes down? So you paid tax on $50,000, but maybe now the investment is only worth $40,000. So you could essentially change your mind and put that money back where it was originally. Those conversion recharacterizations aren't allowed anymore. So if you're planning to do any conversions for the year, doing so when the market is down can be a smart time to do it. Then theoretically, when the market recovers, you get even more tax-free growth. Another idea is uh, taking tax losses. Maybe you have a stock that you don't love that has a tax loss because it is at a lower price right now than it was when you bought it. So for an example, you could sell it. You would show that loss on your tax return, which would probably decrease your tax liability, and then use the proceeds to buy something you like better. Ashley, beyond uh, concerns about the market, what else are you hearing from clients? Great question. A big one is, can I still retire? 
And the truth is, sometimes yes and sometimes no. It is so specific to the person in the situation. So if you're getting close to retirement, you probably need to have your retirement plan looked at again if the market is down substantially. In my career, I have not had very many clients move forward to retire during any sizable pullback. And I think that is mostly a comfort thing, but sometimes it really is just math that the market needs to recover some before taking distributions is a good idea. Another topic that I have seen a handful of times is questions about concentrated stock positions. People will sometimes inherit stock from a parent and leave it as is indefinitely. And sometimes that's an emotionally based decision. And then later, sometimes it is because they held it so long that it has a lot of unrealized gains that would be taxable if they sold it. So during a down market, people tend to think about things a little differently and might seek us out for how to handle that concentrated position. And that really is a beneficial time to do so since the taxable gain would be less and the stock we would turn around and purchase for you with those proceeds would also be at a lower price. What are you hearing from clients who are already retired and might be facing a different set of issues? That's probably the single most uncomfortable place to be during a pullback because you don't have the luxury of saying, well, I'll just work longer if I need to. Some people are living on very strict budgets, but if not, think about decreasing or stopping your distributions for a while if you can. If your portfolio is professionally managed especially, this frees up some cash in your portfolio and it decreases the strain of raising cash for those scheduled distributions. And just like those that are thinking about retirement, having your retirement plan looked at again is a great idea for retirees also. And it might be beneficial to make small changes like what account your distributions are coming from or something like that that you probably wouldn't think of on your own. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. Ashley, uh, thank you for your time. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners today? Yeah. It, you, you should be a long-term investor. When the market is upset about whatever the current issue is, ask yourself, will what is happening now matter to the market in 10 years? If not, learn to ignore it. And whatever you do, do not move to cash while the market is down as a knee-jerk reaction trying to protect assets. This is the opposite of how you should help protect them. People listening to this can call me personally if they need to, if they're thinking about making that decision, and I will take the call. Excellent. Very, very wise. I appreciate it. Ashley, Dr. Anina, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. If you have any questions about market volatility, financial planning, or our Market Clarity podcast, please visit us at www.jamesinvestment.com for more information. James Investment, your future, our purpose. 